Roy Galloway is a construction manager and consultant, commercial and residential builder, and a certified inspector for all commercial and residential buildings. And now, here is About the House with Troy Galloway. Well, hello, folks. Welcome back to About the House. I thank you very much for joining us once again for another episode. We got a great show coming up for you. And uh, hey, about the house, if those who are just catching for the first time on the show, this is a very unique radio show. Actually, we are kind of a -a one-of-a-kind audio university of everything you ever could ever want to know about your home. We talk about real estate. We talk about flipping. We talk about electrical issues, uh, radon. I mean, everything that... Everything you could possibly imagine, we try to talk about it. And what makes it so awesome is because we're on podcast and we're also on YouTube TV. Of course, all your social media places out there where we're out there, you can find us on. You can actually just listen to us over and over again because honestly, there is so many things that we put forth in one show, you're just not going to catch it all. So grab a pen and paper. We thank you for joining us. My name is Troy Galloway. I am the host of the radio show. Just like this radio show, my company is a one-of-a-kind, Galloway Building Services. Why are we unique? Well, because we do things that these other companies really don't do. Of course, we do home and building inspections and commercial inspections, but we also do construction conflict resolution. So if you've got a problem going on on a construction job, uh, or you are, you just want to make sure you're building a new home. You want to make sure it's being done right. You give us a call. We come out, help you out, you know, check it out for you. We also work for contractors. Yeah, you get a contractor, you're a contractor out there. And, and you, what happens is, is your customer says, hey, this isn't done right. Give us a call because I've been doing this now for over 44 years. I'm a building engineer, also a master carpenter card, been in the building for all these years. So we're not competition anymore. We do more education than we do of the work. So we're not a competition to you, uh, but we can help you out. And you know that we are somebody that's been in the trenches with you. So give us a call, Galloway Building Services. Oh, and just real quick, I'll give you my number at the end also. But the office number is 636 394 Three one one two. All righty. Well, let's just jump right in here because we have a great show. I got uh, Travis Boyer of the Mold Man, and why this is so great is that we are going into well, and uh, this show is getting ready to be put forth now in March. But we're getting ready to go into a heavy season of, of a lot of moisture coming into the home, a lot of water issues that we're worried about. And then, of course, that all equals mold. And Travis has been with us. This is his second time he's been joining us. Thank you for joining us, Travis. Thank you. And, and check our show, check him out on the previous show because he he took care of a lot of great questions then. And uh, it's probably about two years ago, wasn't it, Travis? Yeah, right about two years. Awesome. Well, hey, tell him a little bit about who you are, your company, and uh, why you even decided to join. You know, do what you're doing because it is kind of a unique market that you do. <laughs> Uh, my name is Travis Boyer. I run Moldman St. Louis. Uh, we're based out of Maryland Heights, and we cover most of Missouri and Southern Illinois. I do mold testing, inspections, and remediation. Um, how I got into it, uh, it's a long story. I was <laughs> working full-time in uh, big box retail management, but I was also flipping houses, and I had some rentals. Um, I came upon some mold issues that seemed... 
um, there were some things that I didn't know and I was getting bids and getting told things that didn't seem right to me. So, uh, I had some partners of mine from, um, Illinois that helped me get together and form this down here. And we've been going for seven years now and it's been great. So been fun. Well, that's great. And I know that uh, and there's a lot of people out there, which you, which you kind of, I think, alluded to, is there's a lot of companies out there that call themselves moat specialists. And they're really, in my opinion, they're basically a lot of just con men out there that can't be trusted. And that's why I thought that it was great for you to come back on again. Not to mention you promised that you come <laughs> you promised to come back on. But because I want the people to know. The, uh, the real story. And I know that you're a square shooter and uh, you make sure that you, you, that's one thing I like about your company and, and you and your company is that I know that when I refer you, you don't BS the customers, you tell them on the level. And if there's nothing there, you don't make it up. And that's, that's important, I think. And you, but now when you, you tell, tell us the procedure. So I, I know, cause we, you I have you out here quite a bit on our jobs, but t- so if you want an inspection, what tell us about the procedure of coming and what you do and how you handle it and, and how you take it all the way to the end if we have mold problems. If there's visible mold there. So, yes, we if you call, we'll come out, take a look at the property. If there's already visible mold, um, we take measurements and photos, then I'll put together a written bid and email that to you. If there's not visible mold and we just suspect something, I will first do a visual inspection. And that's just a walk around of the home. We'll check around doors and windows, chimneys, under vanities and cabinets, any areas where there's plumbing or pipes, water, anywhere that there could be some type of intrusion or that we normally see it. Obviously, in the basements, we'll look at the foundation. Uh, if there's nothing visual, then the next step would be doing some type of air quality testing where we'll check um, for spores in the air, and that requires bringing in equipment where we actually take samples of air and send them to a laboratory. So that's kind of what we do for a lot of home inspectors here in town when people are purchasing new homes. So now if it comes back from the laboratory, so what, which I really like that you're not the fellow that's saying, Hey, this is what it is. You're getting a scientific laboratory analysis, right? That's correct. Cause there's, a lot of times, uh, let's say there's somebody has mold on drywall. The most common color that mold is going to be is black. So people say, oh, you've got the bad kind of mold. It's You've got black mold in your house. There is legally and scientifically no way to say that without having it tested. There are over 100,000 types of mold in the world that we know of, about 1,000 pertinent to Missouri. But there's no way someone can look at a certain mold and say it's 100% this type of mold without sending it to a lab. We can have a good idea, and I could say I think it's probably XYZ mold, but nobody can tell you. And that's where a lot of people get in trouble because people will come into their house and tell them, oh, well, that's the black mold. That's the bad stuff. You got to get rid of it. And it might be black, but it's not the bad mold. So. Mm, so that's good to know because I kind of thought myself that all black mold was the bad mold, but apparently no. that's not the case, huh? No, it is not. Wow. Okay. Well, that I know when I see it, I but I, of course when I put it in my report, it appears to be mold <laughs> because I don't have the analysis, the laboratory analysis, and that's when I refer you. I right. say, well, now I think you need to get somebody else in here to take a look at it. Now, if it comes back and we have, say, well, you know, like uh, uh, 
talk to me about bad mold because I know like penicillin's a mold because I've seen some of the reports that you have and penicillin is one of them right. uh, of the mold uh, spores. But uh, tell us about what uh, what is what makes a bad mold. Well, there's a handful of molds that we know only form from water damage. So there had to have been some type of water event, whether a pipe leak, a flood. They only form from that event. They're not a, we call them common indoor molds that are going to be found in every house. These only form when there's been water damaged building materials. So let's say that Mr. Home Seller has fixed the water damage and put up new drywall and painted and everything else and it looks pretty. Um, a home inspector is going to come in and not see anything, but an air test could actually pick up those spores of that water damaged mold to let us know there was something there because you can't hide, not saying everybody does this, but let's say they're trying to hide the mold or hide the water damage with some paint. Um, you can't hide those spores in the air. You can hide it on the wall from home inspectors, but you can't hide it in the air from the air test. So, uh, you know, and, and we do get a lot of, see, I see a lot of that where the guys will come in here and, uh, well, we're going to pick on home flippers, but they're not the only ones that do this, right. you know, but it's more of our home flipping companies or, or even our people do it yourself or companies. And they, and they, and I hear it all the time. Well, I'll just get some what vinegar or some bleach and water and, and clean it up. Does that really work? Does not. Um, bleach is actually not something, and we've discussed this before, bleach will not kill mold on any porous surfaces. So unfortunately, we see this a lot in in basements where it's on the floor joist or the rafters and the subflooring. Um, people will come in, spray it down with bleach and water, and then paint over it. And essentially, you're just moving the problem down the road six or eight months so that the person that buys the home is going to have a problem. Because once that basement gets either damp or humid again, that mold will come right out of the wood, eat through the paint, and then you've got a whole new problem. So no, bleach doesn't. That's not the proper procedure for getting rid of mold. You know, I've been telling folks that for years. Uh, you know, I remember what was it? The EPA had said that it worked, and yep. then they came back after yes. further analysis. Of course, any you know what? What we're supposed to trust the government, but anyway, uh, we we really know better than that. But I'm glad that they followed through and further evaluation. But you know, you was talking about basements, and uh, we, you know, and I I don't know that that's a primary spot or not. But is that a primary spot for mold yeah. to be in? Probably one of the most common areas in a home that we find mold well what happens if say if you uh you know and i get people ask me well troy i don't think i need a mold test because i've never had any mold i've never had any water issues in my basement and yet it seems like sometimes you find it is that i mean what's going on mold can have water as a food source but it also can grow strictly from humidity so it really doesn't need water, just a high humid environment, which we consider 60% humidity for more than about 72 hours, a prolonged humidity event. When that happens, mold growth will occur. We know that mold's a naturally occurring uh, product of the indoor and outdoor environments. It's always in every house, office, hospital, school, it's everywhere. But when it gets the right water or humidity to grow, it will take off. So in an unfinished basement, yes, you may never have had water there, but you also don't have 
enough air conditioned air. Air conditioning dries out the air and that's what cools it, but also molds hard to grow and, and dry air. So um, if you don't have a dehumidifier in an unfinished basement, that's something you really should consider because one of the most common areas we find mold is because of a uh, basement that's too humid just because it's unfinished. Well, you know, and actually, so in our basement, we used to always put, we still put a lot of basement windows in. And that was the kind of the idea of our, you know, the back in the old days is we put basement windows in to open them up that was before air conditioning and things like that. But now with safety issues, security issues, we are sealing them windows shut, putting bars on them, you know. So I guess that's tightening it up. That's probably creating, what would you call it, an opportunity for mold. Yes, because you're not allowing the basement to breathe. And as you know, houses got to breathe. You can't seal them up so tight that no air can come in or out because that creates problems. Yeah, yeah. And you and I was talking about that on a, on a project that we're working on together right now, uh, where the it had a thunderstorm in the attic, you know, from condensation after the cold weather. So that's another so that's another kind of misconception, isn't it? A mold can only grow in the when it's really warm. We can't ever have any mold happening or occurrences. Eh, I won't say it can't grow in the winter because it can under the right circumstances, but especially if building materials are wet, it's going to grow. Well, like I was telling these folks here, you know, that that we're working with is that what happened was is, yeah, you had the moisture, but it didn't dry out because now we're going into the spring and we got a wet, damp season and then we got the humidity. And of course, our attics are supposed to, this was all up in the attics, as you know, we talked about. And uh, man, they got, they got some serious things happening up there. Uh, but luckily they're going to be getting taken care of because you're going out there to take care of for <laughs> yes. them. But hey, I, I got some questions here. I asked around and, and to uh, some people and, and told them you was coming on. So they I asked for questions. So you could you want to field a couple of questions for Absolutely. us? Absolutely. Well, Let's that's go. Great. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, this is one of the questions I get asked that they sent me. Mold is only on the drywall and baseboards in my basement. But I was told that my ceiling tiles, insulation, and some carpeting have to get removed as well. Why? Well, there's a good reason behind that. So mold is a spore, and it travels through the air very, very well. So anytime it's disturbed, you're kicking that up into the air. So any porous items besides the drywall that mold is going to be on. So as it floats in the air, it'll get up into your drop ceiling tiles. It gets into the insulation. In our industry, those two products are considered disposables. We can't clean them because you can't get any type of, you can't get the surface wet of insulation. You can't get a drop ceiling tile wet because they'll just fall apart. So they're considered disposable, meaning if they're in a moldy environment, they get thrown away. Same with carpet. A lot of times when a basement, let's say a sump pump's backed up and it's been uh, more than three days, even though that carpet's wet and people have a tendency to want to save their carpet or dry it out, industry says once it's been wet for more than 72 hours, it has to get thrown away. And that's not because of mold. It's because there's a bacteria, thousands of bacteria that will start growing in that carpet and you just can't clean it out. It's it's going to be harmful at that point. So pad and carpeting get thrown away at that point 
So it takes about an average of 72 hours for the mold to actually impregnate the, uh, these different products, materials. Is that uh, right? Or In the right environment, mold can grow in 24 to 48 hours. But let's say a sump pump backed up because that's going to be common. It's probably common right now after this weekend. Um, once your carpeting's been wet and you don't get it dried out within 48 hours, there's going to be a huge amount of bacteria growth in there. So. Yeah. yeah, and allergy. I mean, we're in the Midwest here, and the allergy, people think, well, I'm not in Florida, or you know, or these kind of wet, damp areas. But, right. But we have a well. Of course, we live in the capital of all kinds of allergies. You know? <laughs> Tell and me about it. It seems like uh, people that never had allergy problems at all they come, they move to our Midwest area, St. Louis and Kansas City area. They just get just two of, two of my local cities I'm promoting. Yes. Uh, but uh, I know you travel all around. But uh, it's it just seemed to be more and more. We're be I think we're being more and more aware of it. Do you think so, or is it something that's really a new phenomena? Mold itself. Now I think it's. I'd say since the early two thousands, it's become a much bigger topic and a much bigger concern, especially in real estate. I know um, prior to that. The inspectors would find it in houses, and a lot of times it was just passed on to the buyer and nothing was ever thought of it. Nowadays, it's a pretty big issue when it's found in a home inspection, and I couldn't give you a percentage, but I would say a lot of the times that's getting taken care of before the closing, whether it's you know a buyer or seller requesting that. But um, anytime mold's found, it's getting dealt with at this point and not just kind of being overlooked and let go. It's a pretty big topic in real estate right now. Well, and from my understanding as a builder that a lot of our insurance companies no longer will warrant to back us up, you know, and uh, so for instance, I was telling you a story about a contractor. Uh, so the contractors uh, think about this because this was a contractor telling me that as you and I was talking about it right before the show, he literally had done a big rehab project and he had dormant mold is what he was told, you know, but he didn't know that. And so when he opened it up and it was summertime and lifted, I mean, he said no rain got into the building. It was dry, but the humidity and the disturbing of it, and then it just blew up after because he couldn't. So when he got buttoned, buttoned it up, he couldn't turn the AC on, and uh, which naturally we can't turn our AC on until because it voids the warranty on when we're doing these kind of projects, you know, because the drywall dust and it blows up on them. So uh, guys, beware. This is why it's great to have, you know, get a test. If you have any kind of questions, but in that case, they didn't even know that it was pre-existing. The owner knew he set the contractor up to get bit. But uh, with that being said, that was a winter summertime project. But you reckon that'd be a good idea to kind of be thinking about testing? I mean, you're, you're, honestly, it doesn't cost much to be tested. No, it doesn't cost a whole lot. And in that case... Um, maybe so, maybe you get it tested beforehand. So that contractor knows next time. But again, if it's, if it's dormant and just kind of sitting there and not being disturbed, it might not come up on an air quality test, but man, when it sounds like there was an elevated humidity issue in that property for a while, and that would kick it off pretty quick. So yeah, it was June and July. Oh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. We love we love our humidity here in the Midwest. So so what you're saying, and let me don't but please don't let me put words in you because you're the professional, and I'm trying to learn right along with the rest of the people, our listeners, is that what you're saying then is that uh, if it's behind the wall and you're doing air tests, you might not catch it. Is that right on a home inspector? So if a home inspector doesn't say something, doesn't necessarily even mean that there not, might not be a problem. 
Right. Mold can be behind a wall and an air test isn't going to find that. Um, the problem we have is most of the time we're working for buyers, which you work for buyers a lot yourself. Um, we're not allowed to do any type of destruction or we call it evasive um, inspection techniques to the house. Meaning I can't drill a hole under the wall and look behind it or um, drill a hole in the wall and stick any equipment behind there to do any testing. So um, just like a lot of home inspector reports say, you know, we can only inspect what we can visually observe and an air test is going to be the air uh, that we're normally breathing inside the room. So yeah, there are some limitations to those. So uh, now we, we on outside, we get a lot of mold too, especially on this vinyl side. Tell folks about what's happening there. And if, and if there is a correction, I mean, I, I honestly don't know what to fix this with on this mold on our vinyl side. Or is it even a problem other than ugly? Uh, other than ugly, no. It's not going to hurt the vinyl siding. Now, if it gets up under it and gets through the house wrap, then, yeah, I can you can start getting moisture issues there. Um, really, that side of the house, it isn't getting a lot of sunshine. I mean, it covers mine, but every spring I get my power washer out and spray down the house, and I'm good till next year. So. Yeah. Um, that's really all they have to do. It's not something a, a company has to come out and take care of. Mine's a two-story, so I hire somebody for that second floor. But, um, yeah, that's just power washing the house. So Now, man, all that does is clean the surface, right? Yes. I mean, it's still in there. I mean, it don't like the vin- go away just because you wash it. Is that right? It's not going to get into the vinyl because that vinyl's... Yeah, it's not going to get through that like it would drywall or... But vinyl being not airtight... Actually, vinyl is not even designed, which we get one of my radio shows that we did here on siding. Vinyl is not even designed to be airtight, not even designed to be watertight. You really? know, that's what drip holes are behind it for. So it's got a lot of areas to get up on that. On the, but have, I myself have never witnessed it ever coming through. And, uh, uh, but I guess in the right conditions, it could do anything at once, huh? I think. Something over time, yeah, that could probably work its way inside, but I've never seen it either. I got a question here. This is my question. Actually, I'm, okay, it's not my question. It's my. Uh, it's a real estate agent that's family member of mine, and uh, she's from out of Florida. And they said, asked me to ask you about this. We talked, kind of talk back and forth about because of a lot of her. They're in Florida. You know, the humidity is just horrible down there. But does that salt water create a different type of mold or is it a more of a, is it a better problem, worse problem, or is it just kind of like, or did I just throw you a, a blind left curveball? Um, I don't know that I have a good answer for you. I don't know if salt water would create a different type of mold. I know that it is a much different, when you're closer to the beach, it's a little bit harder on houses because it's corrosive. Um, so. I have friends in the industry down there and they do a lot of power washing of houses like every other week just to keep the salt water off of them. But as far as a mold issue, a different type of mold issue, uh, the humidity, definitely. I mean, Florida is known for, um, they have stringent, very stringent mold regulations down there. Um, so nobody can just walk in after a hurricane and start being a mold contractor, um, which, you know, everybody flocks to those um, storm chasers. Storm chasers. Uh, everybody does that. But in Florida, it's you can't do that down there. Um, well, thank goodness for that. Yes. Yeah. Mold's very regulated in, in the state of Florida. You have to have yeah. a lot of certifications and licensing through the state to do it. Good. Good. Now, what about talking about that? 
we're in the Midwest here. And, of course, this radio show goes all over. We got people in California and such. But here in the Midwest, what states do you need to be mold certified to be actually doing the testing if there is a uh, and and remediation? Are them two different licenses? Kind of guide us of what how we can tell who is the professional and who is the wannabe. We don't want the wannabe. The New York, Florida that we just talked about, New York, Texas, North Carolina, those are... Right off the top, I know certain states that require a very strict um, testing and certifications through the state to be licensed to do inspections and and remediation. Um, they also require a different inspector for the testing versus the remediation. And what that means is the person that tests the home can't also do the remediation in the home. So there's a, a divide there. Um, we do not have that currently here in Missouri or in Illinois. So someone could come in and do testing in the house, but they can also perform the remediation. Um, we generally, if we do remediation in a home and our clients are wanting testing, we have that uh, third-party inspector come in and do the testing behind us. I always tell them it's kind of like grading your own paper in school. If you're the one doing your own testing, kind of easier to pass that way so we have a third-party company come in anytime we need testing done or on our own work um and do that for us yeah and actually so the we've had the asbestos people on and the, and and the lead people on and they've all said the same thing you know yep. even though they qual- they're, they're qualified to do both right now but is there a certification so can anybody go do the testing and just send it off to the lab or would it be preferred? Of course, I know this is what you do for a living, but it seems to me as that it's not just something that you want to go buy a kit down there at Home Depot and throw it in there and, and pray that you hit, you're in the right spot to right. test. Now, anybody can, I mean, to get into the business, no, there's a lot of people out there that can just jump online and be mold certified in a couple of weeks. We are licensed through the, uh, or certified through the IICRC, and we follow all their standards of remediation. So most companies that are trying to do the ethical and right things are doing that, working towards certifications. Um, I hold several with them. So um, I'm not the contractor that I do snow removal in the winter in the spring I'm grass cutting. And then when I'm not, I'm doing mold or I'm working on a roof this weekend. So it's those types of people that you, you know, before somebody comes in and says they need to tear out your whole basement for mold, you got to question their, their background and their um, knowledge and certifications. Now here's a question that I get asked a lot. And, and it was asked me, ask you the, this here is that, so we get a lot of different type of information about, remediation uh of course bleach and we've already talked about the bleach or the whatever and, and the water but uh so but we also are told you got to rip everything out and throw it away and then we're also told that no all we have to do is just paint it well tell me when can we do uh, painting that don't even work at all does it no well say painting. that's gonna lead me to the next question actually <laughs> so there are times where a lot of things have to get torn out. There are times where some things can get torn out and some things can get cleaned. All of those are going to be on a house-by-house basis on when we're determining that. When paint comes into play, um, and I'm not going to call it a paint because that's a pretty loose term. We call it encapsulation, just like they do in lead and asbestos. Because this isn't a paint that you go to the hardware store and buy. 
Um, it's specifically made for mold remediation where it will help block uh, mold spores on the surface that you're that you're encapsulating, but it also makes a surface hard for mold to grow on. So it's doing, it's combating a couple different things that actually has antimicrobial properties in it. So it's not like you're going again, running over to Home Depot and buying paint and covering it up. Um, because if you do do that, mold will eat through that paint. If you don't, if you don't fully remove the mold from the surface, which we see a lot of times, um, or people do it themselves and, you know, bleach, spray down with bleach, wipe it and paint over it. If you don't get it all, that mold's going to eat right through that paint. Now, but does it, does it eat through the other, the mold certified encapsulation material uh, covering? Does does it eat through that too? If it it was correctly remediated, no, it should not be able to eat through that. But if I just took a piece of moldy wood and I just took some of this uh, encapsulation paint and just painted it, that, that that's not going to fix my problem. No, it will it? not. You can't just paint over it. There has to be some type of removal. Physical removal is the very first step. You cannot just paint over anything. Well, yeah, and that's what I've been told. Well, actually, you probably told me. <laughs> but uh, that's how I learn. Actually, I learn more from everybody else than I ever do. Well, uh, you know, that's why we that's why we have this show so everybody can get a chance to learn. Now, here's a question from another of uh, some more family members of mine from California. And they said, now I'm going to tell you my answer is probably a smart aleck answer. And, uh, but that is, as she said, uh, that they don't seem to have much of a mold issue in Southern California. Now, I told them it was basically because of the smog kills it. <laughs> I don't think that's really the right answer. But, that's, but they're light on the ocean. How, and, uh, but you know, do they have, do, do, is it because of their air being so still dry? Cause they got to kind of, it's not like Florida right. o- ocean weather. I would say it's pretty dry environment out there in Southern California. Um, so they might not have the humidity type mold issues, but you're still going to have your building issues with roof leaks, chimney leaks, a window, a water heater, a pipe burst. There's so many things inside your house that can happen to create a mold issue. Um, just the smallest of leaks can cause uh, bad problems. Uh, tomorrow I'm running out to a house in Illinois. Uh, this woman just, just bought the house. She's only been there six months. Home inspector didn't find anything. House was perfectly clean. Um, she now has a mushroom growing out of the wall in her laundry room. Oh no. Yeah. Turns out there's a, a drip from the cold water line to the washing machine that drips about once every 30 seconds. So something super slow, but cumulatively over time, that's, that's a problem. Would a dehumidifier in your home, of course we don't run dehumidifiers in the wintertime, but would that help or not? Not, I mean, not in this case, okay. but in an unfinished basement type scenario, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, because yes, I knew you said that. Uh, no. So I see a lot, we get a lot of these rehabbers, uh, and uh, nothing wrong with rehabbers, but do you, do you recommend, uh, which I always tell folks they should, but I think that you should, so you be trying to deliver the for the best product. But I think a lot of them are really scared not to have it tested, but do you think that it'd be wise Okay, this let me just finish my thought. You think it'd be wise for the rehabber to get it tested so as that he could give the certification that it's been tested by a reliable company 
you know, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just trying to separate the you know the better rehabbers from the lesser rehabbers. Does that make any sense at all to get it tested while it's in a rehab stage or before? I I guess to me, yes, it would. But then to the rehabber, you know, they're just trying to make money too. So why would they spend money on something that you know might not mean anything to them? They're probably looking at it from more of a you know, if the buyer wants to get inspected, let the buyer pay for the mold inspection yeah. type deal. So I I, well, I would just, never say no that it's a bad idea, but yeah. We just educated the people just a few minutes ago that they can't you can't test behind the walls. Right. So they're getting a test that's not really truly a hundred percent if it's been rehabbed, especially on a well, any home, but an older home. Because I don't think there's many older homes that's not had water issues at one time or another. Right. And I, I tell them now, this is my opinion, but, uh, and I'm not even in the mold business, but I say that with lead and all that. If you get it tested, I can give this to my buyer and say, hey, it's been already certified. And now that's how come my, my home, it costs a little bit more. And now I'm making a little bit better profit because I am actually have done a little better, better job. And I'm not trying to hide anything. But uh, I, you know, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's all in ethics, isn't it? I would think so. And I'm nothing against rehabbers or investors at all. I, I used to be a rehabber and investor, and I get a lot of work from friends of mine that that's all they do. So um, I would say, just like in any other profession, there's the eighty twenty rule. Eighty percent of them are doing a fantastic job, and there's twenty that. I say it nicely, probably going to cut a corner or two. And you, I'm sure you've seen it in home inspections. And so have I that, uh, you know, they're trying to save a dollar might cost you a hundred. So that type of thing. I just experienced that this Sunday. We did an inspection and uh, wow. Then people should not even have own a hammer or a tape measure. I mean, it was, and I said to them folks, of course, they were, you know, what they, I don't really know what's going to happen. But I said, if this is what you see on the outside, what do you, what don't we see on the inside? Well, mold is definitely one of, you know, they had young children and such. Now, which is a great question. Mold, does it affect the younger people more or less than it does the older people or our seniors? Or does the age have any qualification for the effects of mold? Yes, it does. It will affect the younger and the elderly more so than the middle-aged person. It's because you have undeveloped immune systems, and then you have immune systems that have kind of deteriorated or health issues already in your elderly, elderly, folk, elderly folks. So, yeah, it's going to affect those two populations more so than... Well, here's the, a crazy question, then. We're going to stay on that for a second. Pets. Does mold affect our pets any? We know it does now because I've been told that uh, my dog's got allergies. Now, uh, only in Midwest do I hear that that uh, dogs have allergies. I guess it's true, but does mold an issue, or have you ever heard of anything like that? Or, or maybe we should be going through the vets and tackling them. They, you know, <laughs> I, I might be honestly, a new market, huh? That could be a new market. I honestly don't know that I have an answer for you on that. I've had a couple of people tell me they believe their pets death or sickness was called from caused from a mold issue in their home but there's no i have not read or done any research on the science behind that or if it's true i'll have to do some research on that i'm just curious you know uh, if that's the case or not i do know with lead that definitely affects the the dogs you know well, the same and radon like cigarette smoke you know dogs oh, get yeah. cancer and yeah die of cancer but they've been in a smoker's house for 12 years so 
kind of the same principle. So I could see there being a relation, but I don't know that the studies are there to prove anything. I'd have to look. Yeah, it might be a whole brand new market out there. <laughs> and oh, Ed, you know how we are about our pets. I mean, we, we they're just they're like our children that don't move away. That don't cost us a bunch of money. Don't stay out all night. Well, man, I can't say some of them do stay out all night. They run, take off running. But I, I don't know. It was just a, a question. It was just I knew that it wasn't something. I just thought of it just now because I was thinking of the other hazardous waste out there, like radon. You know, that affects our, our pets, and, right. and lead definitely affects our pets. So I imagine mold probably yeah. would be almost impossible that it doesn't affect our animals. Right. You know. Now mold spores. Which okay, we'll talk about that for. A minute so mold spores is that is that a something that would be so because for some of our, our our hazardous waste or hazardous material or whatnot is that the lower to the ground is a problem and higher you up so children have more affected because there's closer to the ground or play on the floor does that have any variance or anything at all for children i mean for does mold a, a low-hanging spore material uh, for the most part yes now there are spores that are heavier than other spores like your water damage indicator spores um they're a little heavier so they might stay in the air 48 72 hours before they settle onto a like a baseboard or a floor but then there's other spores that can stay in the air for six to seven days and just kind of float around because they're a much lighter spore so i don't know that it would affect kids or adults differently because of the height differences but yeah, it's something that stays in the air for a prolonged period of time, definitely. Yeah, well, because we see a lot of mold either on the floor or we see it up in the corners of our uh, of our house, up, up in the ceiling where the ceiling meets the wall. Right. How come? That's just where it settles. Okay. And in the corners, it's going to settle in the corners because in, you, in any room in the house that's square, air patterns in a room are in a circular fashion. So if you ever think of a a bell curve, when you're going around a room, the air will bypass all the corners. So we see mold growing a bell pattern where it comes low to high right in the 90 degree and then come back down the other wall at like a 45 degree. That's because the corners of our rooms are not getting air. So that will be one of the first places you'll see mold growth. Oh, okay. Well, see, now that is why, folks, that you cannot just have your buddy out of the pickup truck come do your mold inspections or or answer your mold questions and why you need to go somebody like the mold man, Travis here, uh, which I'm going to get, I'm going to get your, make sure we get your number out to everybody. That's why you need somebody like a professional like Travis to come out here to look at your stuff because, we get to, people are trying to sell you things. He's going to educate you and tell you, and he's going to just say, "No, I don't know about that," or you know, they, like you just said, "I'll look you look into it, see what's happening." So that's great because there's a lot of misconceptions happening out there with mold. And uh, and for instance, and I told this story last time we was on there that my doctor told me I had a normal amount of mold, or actually he called them nodes, growing inside of my body. And of course, my wife, she sent me packing to the hospital, back to the doctors real quick. Yeah, wives are. <laughs> she said, well, we'll find out what that means. Well, he said it was mold that was growing inside of us. He said it's common for all of us to have mold that grows inside of our bodies. 
and just that it was abnormal that I must have lived in a high, uh, damp area for a lengthy time, which I did. I was, you know, a Vietnam vet. Uh, but he said I was fine. So I guess it's all right to have mold inside of you, but, uh, but I guess not inside your lungs. I, w- I would reckon. I don't know. Uh, we're both of us. Well, all of us right now are breathing it as we're doing this radio show. So our immune system's taking care of most of that. I think it's when it's, uh, something constant in your house and you're always around and it breathing it all day long that it kind of overtakes your immune system. And I will say, I am not a doctor, so don't <laughs> play one on TV stuff. either. Huh? I don't play one on TV. Well, you make a lot more um, money if you was, <laughs> I should, I need to look into that. Um, I think when it's, it's a more of a constant exposure, kind of like radon, radon's not, you're not going to get sick from radon in a couple of days. It's a long-term exposure problem. Same as mold. It's, it's a long-term exposure. That's good to know because I do think sometimes people see a little bit of mold and they just go, they're scared. Yes. They're scared because of the lack of information. And I know your last radio show, a contractor, well, actually it was a landlord slash contractor, and they was having troubles with their with their, one of their uh, people, tenants, getting ready to buy the home. Through your education of what you told the folks, they was able to get it corrected. No worries. Everybody was tested. But it was, luckily, you was there, even though you didn't even know it, just by what you did on the radio show here. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So that and that and oh, and luckily it was for an attorney. So from now on, your name is logged with that attorney <laughs> if they get any kind of mold problem. Now, with that being said, with the with with attorneys and lawsuits, is this something that people get sued for much anymore with mold, or is it uh, we? Or do you think that we're really are ed- more educated and we're just not ignoring it? No, I think it happens all the time. Um, I think the most difficult part is mold's not something you can determine when it, how it started or when it started. Um, I get asked this a lot for, uh, for issues where a home, let's say a buyer's had a home inspection done, no mold. Um, a year later they have mold in the attic. I was just at a house in Wildwood and I'll use this scenario for this, for this question. Uh, the homeowner's only been there nine months, and he said, showed me the home home inspection. Uh, they looked at the attic. There's no mold in the attic. Now they have a little spot in the attic. Could that have happened in nine months? Yeah, it's possible, but it's also possible that it was there before and the home inspector missed it. We're talking about a 6,400-square-foot house with a huge attic. So is it a chance? Yeah, there's a chance, but I think going back to the lawsuit question is it's hard to determine how long mold growth has been there. And I think that's a lot of the lawsuits that happen today is, oh, well, it was there before I bought the house and the sellers were trying to hide it. It's a very, very tough area. And I'm not an attorney. I wasn't a doctor a minute ago. Now I'm not an attorney. Um, I think it's just a tough area to say, yes, it was there, wasn't there, you know, to move forward with a lawsuit. I think that's where they would have difficulty. But do they happen? Yes, all the time. Yeah, I bet. You know, I, I, I never hear too much about it. But, you know, when we look up in an attic, you honestly are not going to check every square inch of you that can't. attic. And if that's behind a, a rafter or a truss or something outside of the vision or in a, in a way our houses and our roofs are over, you know, over framing and under framing that you wouldn't even like that. The one you're getting ready to crawl into here in a couple of days, you know, up in that attic, that's in a spot that 
yeah, I don't. Home inspectors not can, cannot legally even crawl into that little area. I don't know how you're going to fix that one, but we're going to find out. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, so remediation was kind of back up to that. Uh, do you, do you, is there often that you ever have to remove any of the timbers or lumber or walls or anything other than, I mean, you said carpeting and such like that cannot be saved tile. Okay. That makes sense. But is there any, any time that we literally got to remove any of the structure because of mold? Yeah, I would say there's several times where we remove the sill plate in a, in a finished basement. So let's say they've, they've finished the basement. So we get the drywall and the insulation out. And you have the two by fours there that if there's been a water, a prolonged water event, you know, the bottom of that woods rotted out. A lot of times the two by fours aren't even attached to the sill plate anymore because it's just deteriorated and gone. So, yeah, we'll remove two by fours. We'll remove sill plates. So there are times we have to remove other cabinets, bars, um, a lot of different stuff. Yeah, especially like behind sinks, you know, yes. I would think that because we can't, you know, it, it, uh, you literally can't see behind them some of our walls. You can't see behind the cabinets for sure. But people store so much stuff underneath there. What if the house is occupied and we do an inspection? We can't see behind that. You know, we're not allowed to touch anything. I always take a photo of in the kitchen sink base and the every vanity. I take a photo under there. Um, I'm looking to see is the back of the cabinet still there. Or is the back gone and you just see drywall? Uh-huh. And then I'm also looking for the bottom of the cabinet. Is the bottom of the cabinet still there? Is it missing? Or has somebody put in a piece of particle board? Because that's another uh, another huge area we see water leaks in. Let's say the P-trap or the garbage disposal was leaking and it rots out the bottom of the sink base cabinet. So they'll cut that cabinet out and just throw in a piece of particle board or plywood over it. Well, it that water got to that back wall where the drywall is and you can't see it. So there's no way, you know, I could catch that on an inspection, but at least I've taken a picture of it and I've noted it that, yeah, that the original, and I make a note that the original base of that cabinet is no longer there. That's kind of a, I wouldn't say a red flag, but it's something that stands out to me doing what I do all the time. And that might not get picked up on the air inspection. Is that right? Dan? Yeah, it's very possible. It cannot be. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Uh, I still think that people ought to be uh, getting it. I personally, I think that we ought to be getting a mayor test when we're rehabbing a home, uh, you know, especially after that other fellow telling me after he got opened it up and then he closed it back up. If he would have thought about it, you know, for just a few hundred dollars, he could have saved himself. It cost him over 80000 or his insurance company over $80,000, uh, you know, for what little few dollars that you it costs to have you to come out. That's almost like insurance. In the in the air test, I don't want you to anyone to think they're the end all be all. And I think I was telling you this story um, on our walk in to the building that I just did an air test um, for a home inspector on a newly rehabbed house, and the air test did not pick up anything. But from my visual inspection, there is visible, I suspected mold growth on the floor joist. Um, so I actually took something called a tape lift or direct sample where I actually put a piece of adhesive on the floor joist and seal that up and send that to the lab along with my tapes or along with my air samples. Uh, the air samples of this house, both levels came back perfectly fine. So had I not visually seen mold on the floor joist, I wouldn't have 
you know, nobody would have thought to test that, but I tested it and it came back as very heavy for an Aspergillus penicillin mold. So say that um, fast three times, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a, uh, uh, every part of this house is brand new. It was fully rehabbed. Um, it was, the basement was finished, but no ceiling. It was exposed uh, floor joists and subfloor that they had gone over with something called a dry flat or a dry fall um, paint, which is a black paint that you spray. It comes out as a paint, but immediately turns to a powder in the air. So when it hits the ground, it's not liquid paint. You can just shop back it or sweep it up. It's super popular on rehabs right now because it's kind of that exposed ceiling with some can lights look. Um but when you miss areas and leave the exposed joist behind, that's where I was able to find mold. And I, I know what I'm looking for, but um, yeah, I was able to, not saying I saved this buyer some headache, but now they're discussing, you know, M and the seller are discussing remediation possibilities now or what their next step is. So let me ask you, so I'm, I'm a big one on proactive instead of reactive because it's always cheaper. Uh, naturally. Uh, but if I'm building, say, a new home or a room addition or I'm adding a bathroom or whatever the case may be, and uh, we have so much humidity and such, and sometimes these roofs get left off for a length of time, and, and, we, and we rain, is, you know, we still get a lot of rain. Is there, what can, is there anything that's out there that we could be proactive? Can we, like, is it, is it, is it a stupid thing to think of encapsulating everything on the inside of our wall cavities, or is that even... I mean, if, if you are a person that's got allergies or could, you know, even if there isn't anything, they want to make sure we never get it. What can we do? Is there something out there for us? I believe there are certain products that you can almost like a clear coat put on building materials when it's when the envelope's up, but the roof's not on yet. So um, I do not know their names, but I would also say once the roof's on or it's tarped, you know, keep air movers or dehumidifiers in there and keep the wood dry. That's the biggest part of it is keeping that stuff dry. Yeah. And uh, so I know we have things that we could do for, uh, of course, air, keeping our air coming into the home. We even got sprays now for, you know, fireproofing, which I need to get somebody on the show for that. That'd be a great one. Talking about fireproofing your house, like spray that material down so your house don't burn. That's really popular in our hot areas, such as the, the, the forest burning up out in uh, our West Coast state. So, uh, but I was just, that's what made me wonder, is there something that we could do? You know, we could termite treat before I put it in. Right. I would think that they'd be something maybe if there was a, I'd have to look into that. I have you, yeah. you have to come back on and do another show. Would you right. not, I'll give you a list of investigations. Right. Oh, look at that different because look how many people that you could really help. If we could actually help catch that. I know a ton of people would wrap that up into their mortgage for what little few dollars in the security. If not be it sick or hurty would be fabulous. Right. So, well, so tell us out here. We're going to wrap this up here shortly, uh, the show. And I thank you greatly for coming on. You're because thank uh, you Just like invite. last time, there's just tons of so much information to be had. But what kind of words of wisdom can you send out here to the folks, you know, that you would say, you know, uh, to help them feel assured to getting the right kind of a contractor in there to do the work? What should I – oh, so I know you. So I'm, I'm cheating. But if I don't know you and I got you and say you're $100 and this other guy, he's only $10, how do I know the difference? Tell, give us some wisdom. Teach our, our, our people here 
How, what do they need to look for? You can ask you can ask whoever you're having come out to your house. Um, ask to see if they're certified or if they have any certifications. Then who are they certified by? Um, generally, it's going to be something called the IICRC. Um, ask for references. I get asked for job references all the time or photos of previous jobs. Um, so there's a couple of things. Google reviews. You can go online to my website and look at all of our Google reviews. Um, so you know that we just didn't start up last week and this is our second job. I'm not saying that that's bad, but you know we've been around for a while and stand behind our work. Um, so if there's ever an issue down the road, we're going to be here and be able to take care of it. So I think um, something also in order in Missouri, in order to perform any mold remediation, you have to carry a special insurance called pollution insurance, and it deals directly with mold remediation. Um, And that's besides general liability and work comp that that should be something anybody that walks into your house should have. Um, But we have to carry something called pollution insurance. So, yeah, my bid might be a couple of bucks higher than somebody else's. But I'm also playing by all the right rules. So, and you're playing by the rules to protect the consumer, right? It's for their protection yes. to make sure that they're not. Now, I got a question here, and I, I, I know I, I, I'm sorry. I said I was going to wrap it up, but so if I get remediated, and it's and it's all clear, can mold come back and still come back into my home again? And can I, can we still have problems? Yes, it absolutely can. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, and when I remember the last time we talked, we talked about the mold house. I got a video of it where, oh, folks, you got to check out this YouTube video. It is hilarious. Remember that house? Got, yeah. I mean, the, it's got fur growing on the inside of it, uh, and nobody would buy it because of that. Oh, I don't. It was. It was. It just. I guess it just just doesn't stop, does it? No, once it, it starts. Never, yeah, it'll never stop. Yeah. Wow. Well, Travis, thank you for coming on. Tell them how they can find you because I know that a lot of times they just need questions answered so they know which direction to go. I'm happy to answer questions. I do that all week long. Um, I can be reached at 314-282-9791. My email address is my name, Travis Boyer at moldmanusa.com. And you can also check out our website at www.moldmanusa.com. We've got a lot of great articles on there and pictures and frequently asked questions. So there's a lot of great information on there. You can also contact us to set up an, uh, an appointment as well. So, yeah, reach out. Um, I accept text messages if people have pictures of some funky color in their basement and they want to send me a picture of it. I take a look at those and let them know what I think, too. So. Yeah, reach out and say hi. That's great, you know. And and actually, folks, I highly recommend Travis. But you know how I found you is that you was highly recommended by another profession in the radon business. And so, you know, that's a, that's how word of mouth goes a long ways. And yeah. you've got one thing about the Mold Man Company; it is definitely carries people. Definitely know about you. You've done great work. And you're honest. And Thank you. There's nothing else in the world. Honesty means everything. Unless you're a politician. <laughs> <laughs> Another show. And then you don't have to work. <laughs> well, thank you guys for watching and listening to our show. This is About the House. This is your humble host, Troy Galloway. Uh, like I say, if you ever need any kind of inspections, construction inspections, uh, construction litigation, we're also certified. Uh, or actually, I am in my company for uh, expert witnessing. 
So if you have a mold problem or a multitude of problems, call us. We bring in professionals like Travis. On our office number is 636-394-3112. And Travis, throw out your number one more time for the folks, please. 314-282-9791. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Troy. You have a great day. Thank you. Sponsored by Troy Galloway and Galloway Building Services. Your top choice for professional home inspections in the St. Louis area. GallowayBuildingServices.com. Galloway Building Services.